Chapter Eight of Stephen Mitchell's Journey by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: Trying a New Road. This announcement made Mister Mitchell dumb with surprise. A patient, plodding boy had Stephen been since he had reached the years of responsibility, but there were times and occasions when he showed a dogged determination to do as he pleased and one thing which he had sturdily held out against for the last two or three years was the taking out of doll and dobbin for anything under the sun after their day's work was completed and they were safely housed in the barn a great trial this had been to sarah jane who knew there were days in which doll and dobbin had not very much to do and felt that it would have been no trial to them to have marched to town to the village store to the post office anywhere with stephen and herself as companions truth to tell sarah jane was so weary of staying at home that though she expected no letter at the post office and had no money to make purchases at the store it would have been a great relief to have driven into town for no purpose whatsoever but to see the lights from the windows and the people walking cheerily along the streets but stephen would have none of it his interests and sympathies whatever else they were certainly did not lie in that direction and he had taken so decided a stand and held to it with such grim determination that his father after a feeble attempt to take sarah jane's side had retired from the combat vanquished in the privacy of their own room he confessed to his wife that he thought steve's resolution not a bad one he has streaks of being as obstinate as any balky horse i ever tried to break reflected the father as he bent his stiffened joints to pull off another boot and balky horses when they get going sometimes go like possessed since steve has only balked about going out evenings anywhere my notion is we had better let him be this decision he presently gave to mrs mitchell adding if he should get a going there are lots of places to go that could bring us no end of trouble whereupon mrs mitchell had sighed as one who had understood life only too well and had murmured yes indeed her husband's words having started within her such terrible memories of shadowed days and above all shadowed nights that she could not hear a suggestion thereafter in regard to the horses being used in the evening without trembling and turning pale and sarah jane vexed at stephen and astonished at them all had been obliged to put aside her ambitions in that respect as in many others and go on in her humdrum ways no wonder then that father and mother were amazed when stephen made his announcement the mother was more than amazed she was frightened oh dear she said maybe we had better not i guess it will do to wait till morning stephen then i can walk it as well as not it won't hurt doll and dobbin said stephen they haven't been working hard today i will have them ready in five minutes mother i think we had better go to-night the woman may be pretty sick there is no telling not a word said the father but he watched this innovation upon the established customs of his home in silence 
not it is true without a foreboding of what a baki horse might do when once he got started but it was not so strong as it would have been but for mr meadows's words that morning you have an unusual son sir a very thoughtful one perhaps stephen was unusual and he had never known it there was something about him this evening which seemed new to the father's opening eyes as for sarah jane she bustled into her mother's room and helped her get on the black dress without which she never went abroad and got out the old black straw bonnet which had seen years of service and wrapped a much-worn black shawl about her with swift skilful fingers as she said my land what do you suppose started steve i thought it would take two yoke of oxen to get him out with doll and dobbin at night most ridiculous idea that was ever heard of too a boy like him sitting down in the chimney corner like an old man he is older than father sometimes in his actions i am glad he has got waked up if it is only to get to the lucases now don't you stay and sit up mother why i wonder if i couldn't go instead of you maybe i would do just as well oh no oh dear no child said mrs mitchell hastily she felt as though the foundations of her home were being broken up i don't want you to go off among them lucases we don't know anything about them remember only that they are a set if the mother is sick i will try and do something for her of course they can't hurt me if they are bad you stay and take care of your father he won't know how to act with me out of the house i haven't been out of the house without him for years i do believe it was a desolate home upon which they entered the father was stumbling around the kitchen in a dazed way only partially sober and his second son had just staggered in much the worse for liquor two other grown sons were absent presumably at the liquor saloon at the corners as the miserable place was called situated three miles from them where the roads forked miranda a girl of about sarah jane's age looking slatternly beyond description appeared in the doorway with an exclamation of relief at sight of mrs mitchell oh my goodness if i ever was glad to see anybody i am you do come in and tell me whatever i am to do ma's in an awful way she just tosses about and groans the whole time and she can't tell me nothing to do and i am just at my wits ends i sent timmy off because i didn't know what else to do jim get out of the way you great loafer standing there right in miss mitchell's way he's so drunk he don't know what he's about miss mitchell and pa don't know any too much they are a set the whole of them i am sure i dread the other boys coming home i don't know what we will do with them to-night flora ann why don't you put mime and dell to bed i should think you might do so much instead of standing round here and wringing your hands what good does that do now you come along with me this last to mrs mitchell who presently disappeared from stephen's sight behind a door which though hastily closed after her revealed to him a form of poverty about which he had hitherto known nothing the mitchells were undoubtedly poor but they were sober and clean flora ann the other half-grown daughter 
a girl of perhaps fifteen, whose dress was fully as slatternly as Miranda's, had been crying quietly while her sister talked. She was evidently not conscious that she was making an exhibition of herself. She did not even remember that she could be seen by anyone. It was not a decorous, ladylike weeping behind a handkerchief held by a shapely hand. Instead, she had no handkerchief whatsoever. Eyes and nose were red, and her large mouth was twisted into strange grimaces in the bitterness of her grief. But she wrung her red hands in such a pitiful way that despite her frowzled head and her general uncouthness, Stephen's heart was touched. "'Is your mother so very bad?' he said to her in a low voice as he stood in doubt where to put himself. "'Oh, she's awful!' said Flora Ann. I never see her like this. She has been pretty bad a good many times, but never like this. And there wasn't nobody to do a thing. We can't get no doctor nor nothing. Don't cry, Dell. You'll worry Ma. This to the little girl, who despite the warning set up a loud howl, evidently taking up the chorus which she had left off for a few minutes to stare at the strangers. Hush! said Stephen sternly. You mustn't make a noise. That will only make matters worse. The loud howl stopped as suddenly as though the child's mouth had been sealed. Oh, dear, said Flora Ann. I am so glad you stopped her. She has been taking on just dreadful because she thought Ma was going to die. Now, Mime, don't you begin. Ma will be better, I reckon, now Miss Mitchell has come to see her. She will do something for her right straight off. You and Dell go over there in the corner and get into your bed. Hurry now, and be awful still, because I think I hear Jake coming. The look of apprehension which both little girls wore at the mention of that name, and the way in which they turned their eyes toward the outer door, as if in fear of someone's entering, told volumes to those familiar with a drunkard's home. Jake was the elder brother, and was by no means so meek in disposition as the half-intoxicated Jim, who had settled himself in a rickety chair in the corner, and already dropped into a drunken sleep. When Jake came home, the little girls did not cry, unless, indeed, he extorted screams from them by some act of cruelty. Frightened as they were about their mother, curious as they were about the coming strangers, they were willing enough to be huddled off into the corner, into that miserable bundle of rags which they called bed, if there was any fear that Jake was coming. Stephen retreated to the stoop, and stood looking about him, busy with his own grave thoughts. What a day this had been to him! Into what strange positions was his list of words carrying him? These people were barbarians, Whatever the word might mean to others, it had a sound which, to Stephen's mind, seemed to fit the Lucas family. He had always thought of his own family as very low in the scale of being. Were not he and Sarah Jane different from all the boys and girls who went to the village church, or gathered in the village Sunday school, or sang in the village choir? As for the Lucases, he had thought nothing about them until their connection with the word barbarian had drawn him into their midst and given him a revelation. Here was poverty indeed. 
Imagine Sarah Jane looking as that dreadful Flora Ann did. Sarah Jane, whose hair, even in the early morning, was always combed. Stephen had not appreciated that before. He felt sure that he would now, forever after. Sarah Jane, whose dress, no matter how little it cost a yard, nor how many times it had been washed and mended, always had a trim air about it, an air of what Stephen would have called neatness, had he been familiar with people who were not neat. He contrasted his sister now with both Miranda and Flora Ann, to Sarah Jane's great advantage. He looked in at the blear-eyed, wizen-faced, altogether disreputable old man, who sat with his hat tilted back on his head, blinking at the smoking lamp, and contrasted him with his father. What if his father were such an one? In the light of the evening's revelation, how easily he might have been. Stephen Mitchell drew his breath hard, clinched his hands, and felt that there was work in the world to be done, that there was a stratum of society much lower than his own, and that because he was so different, because his surroundings were so much above those of the Lucas family, he was therefore bound to do something for them. "'Civilization will tell,' he muttered to himself, going over Mr. Meadows's words of the morning. I wonder if Sarah Jane and I haven't got enough to make a difference here, anyhow. Meantime, the father at home waited, with a great sinking of heart, over the thought that Steve had gone into the very midst of the family whose contamination he had dreaded as he would the smallpox. He would have been comforted if he had understood his son. It was good for Stephen to go to the depths below himself. It was striking the hour of midnight when Dahl and Dobbin drew up before their own gateway. Very much amazed were Dahl and Dobbin. If they could have expressed themselves, they might not have had exalted views about emancipation. When before had they been called upon to do duty at the midnight hour? Mr. Mitchell had had an exciting time waiting for his family, and expressed himself with unhesitating tongue. "'For goodness sake, Phoebe, what did you stay so for? I have been scared almost out of my wits for the last two hours. What happened?' "'Why, there didn't anything happen, Josiah. Only there was a woman dreadful sick needing everything done for her, and nothing to do it with. I had to stay.' there was no other way to do. Such a place as it is, Josiah, you never saw the like. The idea of human beings living in such a condition, it is enough to make one sick of life. Where is Sarah Jane? I want to take a look at the child, just to comfort me after seeing them two girls. Oh, such shiftlessness! You never saw anything like it, Josiah. I never did before, I am sure." but then, poor things, how can they help it? I thought their mother would die, sure, for the first hour. It did seem as though nothing that I did for her was going to do any good. But we got a hold of her at last. She quieted all down, and I shouldn't wonder if she should sleep pretty well. And we left them comfortable compared to what we found them, and just as thankful. You have no idea. They have got hearts anyhow." It does seem, Josiah, as though we ought to do something for them. 
i should think we had said mr mitchell where was steve all the while did you think of him mother think of him i reckon i did and had good reason to steve was everywhere he made a fire in their rickety old stove made some wood in the first place cut down a tree or something i don't know what i know them girls said there wasn't one stick to make a fire with and steve told them that he would see about that and it wasn't ten minutes before he had a fire roaring and kept it up too then he got a kettle and filled it with water from the land knows where they don't have any water near the house have to go off down the hill somewhere there wasn't a drop for her to drink even oh steve did everything if you had seen him going around there giving his directions you wouldn't have known the boy you'd have forgot he was a boy and thought he was a grown man he got that drunken jim to go up a pair of rickety stairs somewhere to bed then by and by that oldest one jake came home swearing just drunk enough to be ugly flora ann she wrung her hands and screamed and miranda she just groaned she was that scared and i was scared myself he knocked things about so kicked over a chair and swore and told flora ann to shut up or he would wring her neck oh dear i don't know what he didn't do at last he took hold of the lamp and was going to stalk off with it and leave us all in the dark with that woman sick and maybe dying then says i josiah you ought to have seen your son he marched up to jake and spoke just as quiet and composed as though he was talking to me jake says he that's enough put down that lamp and go upstairs quick don't you wait a minute who are you said jake staring at him as if he was too astonished to say any more that's no matter who i am said steve i'm somebody that you've got to mind put that lamp down on the table and go up those stairs i won't give you more than a minute and a half to do it in well father i never was so scared in my life i just expected to see him throw that lamp right at steve's head he glared at him as though he meant to do it and steve looked back just as composed as if it was me looking at him he didn't appear to be the least mite afraid i was almost scared over that for i have seen him turn all colors and actually tremble when a strange woman spoke to him coming out of church but there he stood looking at that madman perfectly composed i suppose it was his steady gaze maybe kind of cowed jake anyhow he set down the lamp and swore that he didn't know what all this fuss was about and then as true as you live he went stumbling up the stairs steve watching him till he got to the top then he turned round and said to flora ann i wouldn't cry any more if i was you you might disturb your mother jake won't hurt anybody to-night he will be asleep in a few minutes and sure enough he was what we would have done without steve i don't know i tell you josiah there's a great difference in boys when i saw that fellow there to-night raging around swearing at us all and then saw our steve stand up so straight and strong and brave oh my but i thanked god that steve was our boy and not the other one i don't know but we have got a good deal to be proud of josiah steve hasn't got education such as you meant him to have 
but he has got some other things that is worth having. That's a fact, said the father, with an emphatic nod of his head. I don't know as we have done Steve justice, for he has always been a good boy. End of chapter 8